sure that one of those gets into your hand this morning. On the reverse side, you'll have the, the announcements that are on there as well. And we're getting ready this morning to start a, another sermon series, which is called Abundant Life. Abundant Life. And our key Bible verse, our key Bible quote for this morning is taken from a very, very famous chapter out of the Gospel of John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. And we have on record for us four accounts of the birth and the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And John was one of those, one of those uh, disciples that recorded for us. And John chapter 10 is that chapter where Jesus talks about himself being the good shepherd. How many of you have ever read that, that chapter where J Jesus calls himself the good shepherd? Most of you are familiar with that. It's a fascinating part of the Bible that gives us an insight as to part of the ministry of Jesus. Not only the ministry that he fulfilled whilst he walked on this earth, but I believe his ongoing ministry. We need to remember always that whilst Jesus did die, God raised him from the dead. Amen? And that Jesus is very, very much alive and as we sometimes say, and kicking today. And the ministry of Jesus continues. Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. And one of the analogies that Jesus uses to illustrate his ministry in relation to us is as a shepherd would care and tends for his sheep. And one of the things that Jesus said was that as the good shepherd, he laid down his life for the sheep. I want to encourage you to read John chapter 10 and, and allow God the Holy Spirit to show you something of the ministry of Jesus as the good shepherd. Jesus is not the only character that he refers to as he speaks about himself. He talks as well about a thief and he talks about someone called a hireling, like a infill shepherd, maybe a supply shepherd, not somebody whose life had been given to care for the sheep, but if the shepherd was not available, then this person would step in. But as you read through John chapter 10, you will realize very, very clearly that whilst this person may be able to fulfill some of the, the jobs and the work of a shepherd, his heart is altogether different. Jesus says that this hireling is the sort of person that when Adversity comes when the, the wolf, he says, comes to attack the sheep. 
Instead of standing and protecting the sheep, the wolf, the, the hireling does a runner. But Jesus is the one who lays down his life for the sheep. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus said these words. He begins to talk about a thief. And he says that the thief comes. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is the intention of the one called the thief. And many times as we look at this verse in God's word, we draw a parallel between this this person who comes into the sheepfold to steal and to kill and to destroy. We draw the parallel with that person and one, the devil. And we know from what the Bible teaches us and warns us that it is very much the intention of the devil to steal and to kill and to destroy, if possible, those who are of the sheep fold, those sheep of the good shepherd. And I'm sure if I were to come to each one of you this morning and personally ask you, have you ever experienced in your life the intentions of the devil against you that he would come to steal from you, come to kill and come to destroy. I am absolutely certain that as long as you are still breathing, you would be able to say to me, yes, I have experienced that. And that is very much the intention of the evil one. I want to say this to, to, to everyone that is following Jesus this morning. Whilst it is the devil's intention to do this, he does not have absolute free access into our lives to fulfill his intent. In other words, however much the devil would like and desire and be committed to stealing from you, killing you, and destroying God's work in your life. Do not believe that he can come and do that at his pleasure. We'll talk about, about this a little bit more next week. But so many Christians live in fear of the enemy. The one that we should fear is who? God himself. Now look in contrast. Jesus said the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they, that's his sheep, may have life. Can you see how completely opposite the intentions of the thief and the shepherd are? Can you see that? One comes 
to destroy and steal and kill. The other comes so that the sheep may have life. It is such a sad reality today that so many people who follow Jesus So many people who have confessed Jesus as their Lord. So many people who would say that they have received salvation from their sins. Experience so much more of the intentions of the thief than they do of the shepherd. Let me say it this way. If as a Christian today, you can identify in your life things that are being stolen from you, your health, your peace, your joy, the blessings that comes through Jesus Christ. If you are experiencing death, other than the death of your old nature, but if you are experiencing that fear of death, that death, that, that removal of the life that God wants to give you, If there are things that God has established in your life and they are being destroyed, that is the evidence that the thief is at work in your life. And you may be listening to these words this morning and thinking, Pastor John, your messages are always very, very simple, but they're getting very much more simpler today. You're stating the obvious. Yes, I am. Because I believe that so often we need to hear the obvious. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. The thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. My friends, my brothers, my sisters in Christ, if you are experiencing theft, Death and destruction. The thief is at work. And you need to wake up. Because that is not the will of God. Jesus said, I've come to give you life. He goes on to say, and that you may have it more abundantly. The life that Jesus gives us, my friends, is not just an existence. It is an abundance. And if there is any lack in our lives, it is the evidence that the thief has been given access and he is at work and he needs kicking out. He needs repelling. He needs... Ejecting, 
Whatever words you're familiar with using, get rid of him. You remember our series when we talked about the enemy being a liar and a deceiver. Let us not be deceived by his works. Let us see them, acknowledge them, and remove them from our lives. Some of us are in broken relationships, even with one another. You say, who's been speaking to you? Nobody. We don't have gossip going on in in the nation's church. We're human. It happens. When that happens, it's evidence of the thief. He's stealing the beauty of that relationship that you can be experiencing with others, brothers and sisters. Some of us have have been inflicted with sickness and even embraced it as God's will. It's not God's will. Because God, through Jesus, has come to give us abundant life. And it is this life, this abundant life, that I believe God is going to speak to us and teach us about. Please, please listen to this. These are not get-rich-quick sermons. Can you hear me? This is not all about gaining possessions. This is not about becoming wealthy in material things. The life that we're talking about is the life that Jesus Christ gives us. The abundant life that he expects and has made provision for every one of his followers to not only experience, but another translation puts it this way, To enjoy to the full. How many here this morning would say, that's the time of life that I would like to experience? I've got both hands and both feet up in the air. Amen. Is it because I'm jealous for this? No, it's because I believe with all of my heart that it is what is made available to us as those who follow Jesus Christ. We're going to work through our notes now. Our first point is this on your notes, and there's some some spaces for you to fill in. God is the creator, and he is the giver of all life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. I am very sorry for you if you do not believe in God as creator. You need saving. God is not only creator, but he is the giver of all life. He formed man of the dust of the ground. And then it says, when he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, that is when man became a living being. Some of the wives are nudging their husbands right now and saying, did did God ever breathe into your nostrils? Because there's not a whole lot of life there. (laughs) We're joking, of course. This is when man, created by God, became a living being. When he became God-inspired. That's what that word means. God breathed into him life. Life. 
That is when man became alive. Before that, he was really no more than a statue formed out of the dust of the earth. But the moment that breath came into that being, that man became a living being. If you read through the book, the the chapter one of Genesis, you'll see how that in a different way, God created everything else that lives simply by his word. The plants and the animals, they all gain their life from God. God is the source of life. Not some big accidental, coincidental bang. But a a specific time when God said, let there be, let us make. And God made and it came into being. God is the giver of life. What was that life that he breathed into man? I believe it was spirit life. Because he was made in the image of God. Our second point for this morning says this. That sin entered the heart of man and brought with it death. Genesis 2, 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, you can eat of any of the trees in the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you must not eat. For when you do... You will surely die. God had given to man spiritual life. The evidence of life, one of the evidences is communication. If I die right now, I can't communicate with you anymore. When sin came into the heart of man, communication between God and man ceased. Separation between God and man occurred. Man died spiritually. Which says that the life that God gave primarily to man was a spiritual life. But sin entered where? The heart of man. Corrupted his heart. Caused his nature to become sinful. And along with sin came death. We read in Genesis chapter 3. That the woman saw that this tree God had identified as out of bounds. That the fruit of it was good to eat. That it was pleasant to the eye. A tree to be desirable to make one wise. All of the natural senses were being pulled on. So she took the fruit and she ate it and she gave to her husband and he ate. By that one act of disobedience, desiring to have something that God had forbidden them, their nature became sinful. And everything that man did from that point came out of that sinful nature. Man died in regards to his relationship with God. Did his physical being live on? Absolutely. Was his soul still alive? His soul being his mind, his will, 
his emotions, his intellect, was that still alive? Very much so. But his spirit had died towards God. There was nothing there. That link had been severed. Praise God. The Bible continues past Genesis chapter 3. And as it unfolds, it tells us about God's plan of salvation. And how that God's salvation sets us free from both sin and death, but only through Jesus Christ. Let me read you these verses and you can follow them from Second Timothy. He has saved us, hallelujah, and called us to a holy life. He hasn't saved us just to live how we want. Didn't hear many amens. He saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it is now being revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, listen, who has destroyed death and brought what? Life and immortality. In other words, and has brought eternal life to light through the gospel. I want to say this, I've said it before. Why do you keep saying it then? Because it's so important for us to hear. Becoming a Christian is a spiritual experience. That means we do not become a Christian simply because we choose with our minds that Christianity is, is the best of the pick of all religions. It seems to make sense. No, no, no. If, my friend, that is how you in your understanding are a Christian, I have to tell you with all the love in my heart, that's not God's way. We are not born again when our mind makes a choice. We are born again when our heart, our spirit believes that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. It is a spiritual life. Now, it affects the rest of us. Praise God, one day we're going to have a new body. There's a few of us who are wondering and amazed at what that will look like because we sometimes stand in the mirror and think, well, can God do any better? But yes, he can. It will be immortal, imperishable. Is that the right word? What, uh, there you go, whatever. It will be better. And our soul, our mind, our will, emotions and feelings, they are being renewed. We, we, we no longer are emotion driven. That's the evidence that our spirit is alive in God. We, we are, are, are making godly decisions. Evidence that our spirit 
has come alive. We are believing and acting upon the word of God instead of debating it and questioning it. Evidence that our spirit, our heart has come alive towards God. But primarily our salvation starts when our spirit receives this life which Jesus has come to give us. He destroys that death and he brings life into where? Our hearts. The life that God gives us through Jesus Christ is eternal life. John chapter 4 verse 14. Jesus is talking to a lady, God bless her, uh, who was drawing water from a well. And I guess it was something that she had done every day. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Common sense. But whoever drinks of the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. My friends, the life that is ours, God gives it to us through Jesus Christ. And it is eternal life. That does not only mean it will never end. It speaks of its eternal value, not just its longevity. It's eternal value. There is a time coming when God is going to judge all the works of man and everything that is not of God will be destroyed. Praise God. The life that he gives us will stand that test because it has eternal value. It not only goes on forever. But it has the ability and the property within it that not only does it bring us life, but it becomes like a fountain within us that spreads and infuses and affects the lives of other people with the goal and the objective of bringing eternal life. To them also. Jesus said to this woman. If you drink of this water. That I'm giving you. You will never thirst again. What that means for us who are Christians. Is that everything. That we need to be fulfilled. Is found In the life that Jesus gives us. As Christians, we do not need to be chasing the things of this life to be entertained and fulfilled and to feel good. Everything that we have need of in this life and the life to come is found in the life that Jesus 
forgives us. Because he said, if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. Oh, that life that God gives us through Jesus is completely fulfilling. It will cost everything. It will cost our life. It will cost our dreams, our own desires, our own wishes. As we say like Jesus did, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But it will and is the only thing that will fulfill us. How sad it is when we as Christians, we chase and we pursue things pertaining to this life. So that we can feel good. We can feel good about ourselves. Oh my friends. Don't be lulled into this false sense of security. That being a Christian is all about feeling good about yourself. That's not true. It's recognizing the greatness and the goodness of God. And the life that proceeds from him. And fills these carnal bodies These earthly vessels with his treasure and makes these lives something that without him they could not be. That is the Christian life. Let us pursue God and pursue the life that he gives. Eternal life is spiritual life. Eternal life is spiritual life. Jesus said to a man called Nicodemus. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot appreciate and value and live in and by the rules and the law and the will of God. He cannot unless he is born again. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And all the mothers said, no, praise God. Jesus answered, most assuredly, without doubt, I say to you, unless one is born of water, natural birth, and then the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he said something so Important, which I want to leave with you to meditate on this week. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is spirit or spiritual. If you were in any doubt that this life that God gives us through Jesus is anything but spiritual life, Here is the evidence that will prove that that is so. Our flesh is our flesh. This flesh. And it will always and only ever be flesh. It can be and it must be influenced by our spirit. Which is surrendered to the will of God. But it will never ever ever be anything else other than flesh. That which is Of the spirit. That which is influenced. That which is touched. That which is changed. That which is brought 
to life by the Holy Spirit is not the flesh. It's not the soul. It's the spirit. It's the heart. My friend, that is where God seeks to work. I have come to be so thankful to God that he does not give me a list of rules and commandments that I simply have to keep with my mind and my body. Why? Because I know I would fail. But God speaks primarily and he affects and he brings life to my spirit. My spirit was dead as far as God is concerned. But now it has been made alive through Jesus Christ. This is the abundant life that God gives us through Jesus Christ. Not a flesh life. Not a soul life. Primarily a spiritual life. Where our hearts become alive towards God. And what is the evidence that that's happening? It's so simple. You, 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 your life takes on a different meaning. You start to see things from God's perspective. And as you sow to that spirit life, so it increases. It enlarges. It grows. Paul says, those that live by the flesh will do what? Die. Those that sow to the spirit will live. And the life that Jesus gives us the life, the abundant life that Jesus has given to us is one that we experience primarily by our spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 4, as he spoke to this lady, God is spirit and those that worship him do so in spirit and in truth. The relationship that we have with God is a spiritual one. And I want to encourage you as you consider these words through these coming days. That you, you also ask God how you can sow to your spiritual life. I don't just mean pray an extra hour every day. Or read your Bible an extra hour every day. How can you see this spiritual life within you increase until you're experiencing the abundance that Jesus talked about. So many Christians are in survival mode. If I can just hang on. That's not abundance. Victory is abundance. Overcoming is abundance. And that is what Jesus Christ wants us to experience. We've laid a foundation today. The rest of what God is going to build for us by his word is on this foundation stone that our life in Christ is a spiritual life. And we relate and we worship and communicate with God by our spirits. Let's pursue God and his life with everything that we have. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. 
We believe it. We know that it cannot fail. It is truth. It will come to pass. And we thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit who enables us to see within your word the life that you have placed there. Your word is living. It is powerful. And I pray, Father, that these scriptures that we have opened up together this morning will bring that life into our hearts. Father, I pray, I pray for us if we have been pursuing physical and material things to make us feel good, feel better, to, to try and find something within life that will excite us. God, you are the source of life and Jesus is the giver of abundant life. With great respect and humbly this morning, I want to encourage us here this morning as we're listening and also on podcast. If we have tried to make our Christian experience something of a mixture, a cocktail of the things of this world, the pleasures, the the feel-good factors and spiritual life, we will have, of course, have been unsuccessful. But let us humbly come before God this morning and let us repent of these efforts and let us throw ourselves upon the giver of life. Let us yield ourselves and surrender to him that he would fill our hearts. He would fill our hearts with his own life. That we would be fully satisfied in him. Just come before God sincerely right now. God, we cry out that you would fill us with your life. Renew us, refresh us. Cause your spirit, your Holy Spirit of life to fill our hearts right now with heavenly life. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord God. Jesus, thank you for this abundant life that you give to us. Just before we close, I want to take a moment whilst we stay in prayer. I want to speak to anybody here this morning who has never received forgiveness for sin from God. Repented and given your life to Jesus Christ. The Bible says it tells you exactly when you need to do that now today and if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning and you know that you need to get right with God then I will pray with you just a simple prayer that will begin that process that will set you on a course a course of life everlasting life 
you say pastor will you pray with me whilst we're in prayer just slip your hand up quickly and then take it down again and I'll just know that you want me to pray with you amen thank you anybody else it's starting that journey to God by repentance and recognition that above everything else we need God is there anybody else this morning willing to give their whole life for Jesus Christ Praise God. If you raised your hand, just pray this prayer with me. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving Jesus that he died for me, that he was punished in my place, that you raised him from the dead and that you raised him into a new and eternal life, which through Jesus I receive from you today. As you forgive me for my sin. God I turn to you. My heart is repentant. I choose to live for you. And I thank you that you give me the gift of your Holy Spirit too. In Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. If, if you prayed that prayer. We, we say this to people every week. Three things please do. Tell somebody before you leave. I'm serious. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Next week, we're going to have a baptism service. That is a public confession. But let me encourage you, tell somebody. Tell somebody that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Number two, take time every day to read God's word. Speak to him. Listen to him as you pray. And thirdly, be sure to regularly plug into and attend and serve him a life-giving church.